the United States of America is called a Christian nation. Christian nation. Christian nation. It's time for a moment of clarity with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering. Let us pray that this nation does come to a moment of clarity. Faith, faith, faith. Politics, 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 history, history, and current events. Current events. now, your host, Pastor Rick. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily, but in the meantime, I am Derek Stone with a moment on sports, part one. The Michigan Wolverines men's basketball team defeated the Penn State Nittany Lions 62-58 this past Sunday. Michigan's fantastic freshman center, Hunter Dickinson, scored 20 points after knocking down 9 out of 14 shots, and he used his 7-foot-1 frame to grab 7 rebounds and block 3 shots. Dickinson's teammate, Eli Brooks, chipped in with 12 points, 6 of which came from long range. Wolverine senior Isaiah Livers recorded 10 points, despite only making 1 out of 7 field goal attempts. Livers used his plethora of experience to get to the charity stripe and make all eight of his free throws. Michigan's next game will take place versus the Nebraska Cornhuskers on Christmas Day. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. Good, good, good afternoon. Got a real great show lined up for you, something very special. Um, I'm going to have a guest on with us today, Pastor Max, and he'll be joining us shortly. Uh, we are broadcasting from his house. So standing on the sidelines in case we have technical difficulties uh, is my lovely wife in her home studio. How you doing, Gailene? I'm happy to be here with you today, especially with some of my favorite guys. Phil Starger, how you doing, Phil? Oh, terrific. Um, so I appreciate Standing by. Uh, very good, and I appreciate you two standing by. Of course, we have Derek at the WAM studio making sure we go out on the air. But where we're, we are at, uh, sometimes our signal gets lost, so I need these two great people standing by for me in case we have technical difficulties. Uh, what do we have planned for today? Well, next week is Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. I'm not into this whole have a happy holiday stuff. It's Christmas. It's all about Christ. Take Christ out of the picture, there is no holiday. So Merry Christmas, everyone. A few years ago, I was lucky enough to hear Pastor Max give this wonderful lesson on Christmas. Uh, and he looked at Christmas from a, a really neat perspective. So I asked him to share that lesson with us today. So you're going to actually get a Christmas message on our show from Pastor Max. How are you doing, Pastor Max? I'm doing great. So I have to tell you, Pastor Max, you're making my job very easy. I'm going to sit back and relax and just enjoy your, your message up to the hard break. And then if we have to, continue it after the after the break. So All right. I'm going to sit back and relax and let you have the mic. <clears throat> All right. Thank you. You know, all over the country, they're going to be uh, preaching uh, from Luke chapter 2, the birth of Christ. And uh, all I can say is ho-hum. I mean, you, you hear that all the time. And there's no background to it. And so I don't do things the way other people do them. This Christmas message is going to start where I think it should start. And that's 
the Old Testament. And uh, the scene is right after the fall, after Adam and Eve fall, uh, God is pronouncing sentence on them. And uh, <clears throat> it says to, uh, they say to the, uh, God says to the uh, creature, and the creature, I say, the, the uh, serpent, you're not to think of him as a snake. He's not a snake yet. He becomes a snake when he's cursed. Whatever that creature looked like, he had limbs, and he was a, a, a beautiful creature. And uh, Eve was not afraid of him, not afraid of him because... Uh, he was a tenant of the garden. There were other animals in the garden, and the, uh, Eve must have uh, talked with him before. And uh, I understand because of the Hebrew language, he didn't have the vocal cords we have, uh, so he spoke in a whisper. Now all they can do is hiss. But uh, she, she, she was not afraid of him because she already knew of him. And, and uh, there was nothing to be really to be afraid of, except that he loaned his body, his, his self, you might say, to Satan. And Satan used him. So he was without excuse. Uh, Satan worked through him. And the Bible says he was more intelligent than all the other animals in the, in the garden. Well, that's the one that Satan wanted to use then. He wanted that one. And, uh, and that one cooperated with him. Well, now, after the fall, here's what uh, God says. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle, more than every beast of the field, and on your belly you will go, and you'll eat dust for the rest of your life and uh, your, the rest of your days. And I will put enmity, that's hostility, I'll put hostility between you and the woman and between your seed, now this is important, between your seed, which means your offspring, your, your generation, uh, between your seed and her seed, he's going to put hostility. Uh, now, isn't that uh, true? Women seem to be the ones that really hate snakes, don't they? But anyway, uh, it says uh, this is just bigger than that. Uh, it says here, he, now that is her seed now, he, the woman's seed, shall bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. The heel gets bruised by stomping on the head more or less. But that word bruise, uh, uh, bruise is not correct. And I don't know why the King James keeps on uh, uh, using that word whenever it's, uh, uh, improves its, uh, <coughs> but it is shoof. S-H-O-O-F, and it means crush. He's not going to bruise his head. He's going to crush his head. <clears throat> and uh, this is according to the Hebrew language. 
and Jameson Fawcett Brown, the ancient Pashido. <coughs> excuse me. Now we've got two seeds here. We've got the woman's seed and we've got the serpent's seed. And all history is the struggle between these two seeds. Let me see if I can give you an example. Uh, Cain killed Abel. Well, Cain is a seed of the serpent. Abel was a seed of the woman. You could go on through history. Pharaoh of Egypt, who, who uh, wouldn't allow the children of Israel to leave. He's a picture of, of a type of Satan. Uh, and uh, you, you just keep going down like that. All of the uh, um, wicked people in the world, the Hitlers, the Stalins, whoever they might be, are the seed of the serpent. And you have to interpret all history on this verse right here, the two seeds. Now the final seeds are gonna be, the final seed of the serpent is gonna be the Antichrist, who will be a world ruler. And the final seed of the woman will be who? Uh, it'll be the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the, uh, uh, the Jews would call him the Messiah. And that's a good enough. That, uh, we can call him the Messiah because that's what he is. But uh, try this on for sides. If you're a Hebrew listener, uh, the Jewish Targums say, this seed is the coming Messiah. That's, you, that's your own Targums. Uh, and it's it, it's uh, not not just the tar Targums, uh, Palestinian Madrash, uh, and the, these are Hebrew commentaries, and they're saying in there that this verse, the, the seed here, the good seed, the seed of the woman, is uh, the Messiah. So they interpreted it the same way we do. The only difference is we say the Messiah was Jesus. Uh, and uh, they're not ready to admit that yet, at least some of them. <clears throat> so you say, well, what does that have, what does this have to do with Christmas? <clears throat> well, what I'm going to say is that if antiquity means anything, the Christian religion is the oldest religion in the world. You can't go back farther than Adam and Eve. You, you don't start Christmas in uh, Luke chapter two. It starts back here with the promised seed. This promised seed is Jesus Christ. And uh, the, the roots of, uh, of, of Christianity are in this system. <clears throat> Now, if Adam and Eve go back 6,000 years, and there's no religion on the planet that's that old, except ours. Now, here's something that happens. We're going to follow this right down the road. Uh, I have to skip a lot because I can't present the whole Bible, but I'll bring out some highlights here. In chapter 4, we have this event. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, 
And she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord, from Yahweh. Now, now here's, here's the significance here. Eve was thinking of that promised seed. And she says here, oh, I'm, I'm, I bore the promised seed now. That's, uh, and uh, well, how do we know that's the interpretation? Because uh, of the, again, Jewish sources, Hebrew sources, here's, here's what they say about it. Uh, I have acquired a man, the Lord. See that? I have acquired a man, the Messiah. That's what she's saying there. Others say, uh, well, let me give it to you. I have gotten a man, the Lord, that's the Jonathan Targum. Then you have the Ankelis Targum that says, I have obtained the man from Yahweh. And the Palestinian Targum says, I have obtained the man from Yahweh. And then they go on to say, this is talking about King Messiah. That's their interpretation, the same as ours. So we, we have a, a wonderful lot of support uh, from the J Jewish people themselves. They're, they're ancient targums. Uh, it's wonderful. Uh, now, uh, the thing is that instead of it being the seed of the, of the woman, the son was a seed of the serpent. He was the first murderer and that of his own brother. And uh, that means he was the seed of the serpent. Uh, <clears throat> so anyway, I'm gonna move a, a, a long way beyond that now and go to Isaiah. That's 2,700 years ago. Here's what Isaiah says in 714. Therefore, uh, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Oh, by the way, I need to say something. Go back just a minute. Uh, when Cain killed Abel, that didn't end it because they had another son, and it was Seth. He took Abel's place. So the bloodline goes through Seth. Seth is a seed of the woman. Uh, so he's a good guy. <clears throat> but now we get here. It says in 7.14, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Well, what's that? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call him Emmanuel. You know what Emmanuel means? It means God with us. Not God is with us, although that's true too but God with us. In other words, God with us walking around in a human body. And uh, this is what Emmanuel means. And this virgin to conceive that. Now, whatever this passage, the near effect of it is, uh, doesn't affect the far effect. Uh, I'm sure that the Jews probably have another, this virgin, they might say it's Isaiah's wife or something like that. Even if that's true, uh, it has a, it's a prophecy and it has a far effect. And it's, it's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. A virgin shall conceive. 
Now, this is a Christmas message. Is it beginning to feel like that? A virgin shall conceive. Now in Isaiah 9, <clears throat> 6, it says this. Now get this. Uh, for unto us, uh, that is Israel, but it really for the whole world, uh, a child is born. Sound like Christmas now? Unto us a son is given. Well, he was born uh, near the manger there, and he was given at the cross. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Now, what, what's gonna, what is it this, this here? And the government will be upon his shoulder. That'll be the millennium, the kingdom of God. He'll, ha he'll have the government on his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, and that, that word wonderful is related, it's, it's Paul E, and it means uh, supernatural. His, uh, his name will be, he'll be supernatural. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have a natural God. I have a supernatural God. I'm not going to try to hide that like the liberals do uh, and try to give it natural explanations for everything. Uh, and I wouldn't want a God that wasn't supernatural. Uh, but it says he's wonderful, and everything he does is wonderful, folks. And then it says this, and he will be, he'll be called wonderful. Then it says counselor. A lot of people are, are, are living on um, drugs today because they, they can't take it. And uh, a lot of them are going to psychologists. And uh, they're a bunch of quacks. It's just as well if you stayed away from them. Uh, they can, cannot give you the comfort. And I have, a, my files are full of quotes from psychologists that admit what I just said. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, the mighty God. By the way, I, the reason I have it against them so much is that they have created a lot of problems for our country. They're humanist. It's a humanist science. And it can't be called a science, really. That's word prostitution. But anyway, they have done a lot of damage. Our environment's to blame. There's no bad people and all of this and that. Uh, so anyway, uh, now let me finish the verse here. Wonderful counselor. With a counselor like that, you don't need to go run into these quacks. Uh, mighty God. What? This child that's born? The mighty God? That's what it says. The mighty God, the Prince of Peace. Now, what do we, what do we mean when we say Christ is the, uh, 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 the deity of Christ? He's deity? We mean just that. He is God, the God-man. And, uh, and it says the government will be on his shoulder. He's going to set up the millennium, the millennial kingdom, uh, and govern it. And there will be no end upon the throne of David. Finally, David is going to get his offspring. Somebody will sit on David's throne. David was king there for the last half of his life. And uh, the throne of David, the Bible says, has been broken down. Well, Christ is going to reset it. Uh, and, and he's going to be, be there. 
Can you see now why I say Christianity is the oldest religion in the world? And we don't want to start Christianity with, with uh, just his birth there. Uh, so, listen to this one. This is Micah, Micah 5.2. <clears throat> but you, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you will come forth to me the one to be ruler of Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. This son that's going to be born in Bethlehem, his existence was from everlasting. Mary did not produce God. God cannot have a mother. She produced the body that God occupied, and Jesus is... is uh, uh, inhabited by God. He's the God-man. <clears throat> um, and now Mary cannot produce something that's been from everlasting. Uh, well, here's one for you that one of the most beautiful things in the Word of God uh, <clears throat> this is John 1 and we've done parts of this before. But it says here in John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word with God, and the Word was God. Well, what's the, how can a Word be God? A Word, you think of a Word as something spoken. Well, this is the uh, word for word is logos in the Greek and it's a it's a uh, living word. It's uh, it's a personality. Uh, all right, am I getting a signal for? All right. And it says he was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him, when nothing was made that was made, in him was life, and life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. And it goes on there. Now, uh, talk us about the new birth, verse 13. Who were born not of blood, but the will of the flesh, but of uh, or man, but of God. Now, here's the thing. This is verse 14. You could almost put it under verse 1. Verse 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 says, and the Word became flesh. Okay, there's where Mary comes in. Mary provided the baby, the flesh. Uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The only begotten of the Father. Now, this is why the virgin birth is so important. You know who made Mary pregnant? It says the Holy Spirit. That's God, third person overshadowed her womb and made Mary pregnant. So God impregnated Mary, not in a carnal way, but in a spiritual way, and produced the God-man. And it says that uh, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead body. It dwells in him. And... Uh, 
if I was to break that down, that would really be significant. In him dwells, you, 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 this is Colossians 2.9, and you have uh, an S on the end of the dwell, meaning it's still going on. Uh, it's still going on. Jesus will have a body and turn. Here and right back to it. And now, more with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering, on Wow. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily, but in the meantime, I am Derek Stone with another moment on sports. Christmas Day will mark the 75th anniversary of the birth of Pro Football Hall of Famer Ken Stabler, who passed away at the age of 69 on July 8, 2015. Stabler won the 1974 National Football League Most Valuable Player Award and the NFL Offensive Player of the Year as the Oakland Raiders quarterback. He recorded a 57.4% completion percentage, 2,469 passing yards, and 26 touchdown passes. The Pro Football Hall of Famer won a Super Bowl XI ring with when the Raiders blew out the Minnesota Vikings 32-14. Ken Stabler completed 12 out of 19 passes for 180 yards and a touchdown. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. And welcome back. Uh, we are having a guest today, Pastor Max. He's giving us his Christmas message from the Old Testament. Uh, awesome. One of our other co-hosts joined us, and I did not get a chance to introduce him. And Ed Bondarenko, how are you doing, Ed? I see, I see that you're sitting there with your gun racks behind you and enjoying a, a very armed Christmas. Yes, so. yes, yes. <laughs> Actually, I, somebody asked me what what I got for Christmas last year. I said, "Well, I took what I got for Christmas down south, and we shot it." And uh, a friend of mine said, "Oh, you got a Democrat." <laughs> on that note, uh, we're gonna we're gonna allow Pastor Max to continue his message, and then after he's done, we're gonna just have a nice Christmas discussion. We'll open the phones to the people after that if they want to call in. Just talk about anything to do with Christ. How's that sound? So on that note, we I will turn the mic back over to Pastor Max on his Christmas in the Old Testament. All right, uh, you know. Uh, I mentioned to you that uh, it was God himself who made Mary pregnant. And when she had the Lord Jesus, he was the son of God in the fullest sense. God could say, and he did say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. It was the only son God ever produced. Uh, and uh, he you beget your own kind. And the Son of God is who God begot. And if Jesus wanted to say, I'm the Son of God, it would be 100% true. Uh, but he held back on things because he didn't want to get the Jews all stirred up too much. 
but uh, he came close to saying that uh, many times. But I want to go back to this uh, Colossians 2.9 and break that down from the Greek language so that uh, there'll be no doubt about it. Now, you Jehovah's Witnesses out there, you better pay attention to this. You, you believe that Jesus was a creature, a created being, and uh, you put him in the class of, of uh, Moses or Elijah. No, he's the Savior, and he's the Son of God. And see if you can get around this. In him dwells constantly uh, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and here I'm going to break it down in the Greek for you. Uh, that word fullness is pleroma, and it's, it's the fullest word for fullness that there is. It's not merely some of the attributes of God and some of his properties, but all of God dwells in this man. And the, the word Godhead here is full deity. He, uh, all the fullness of it. And you, you've got, uh, it says, the Godhead bodily. It dwelt in him bodily. So you've got the Godhead here, full deity, and you've got bodily, full humanity. And the, 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 the fathers, and uh, their understanding of Christology, put it this way. It, he's not 50% God and 50% man. He's 100% God and 100% man. 100, 100. <clears throat> and uh, if I was to define the Trinity, it might be help understanding three divine personalities in one essence. Essence is what a thing really is. It's the essential thing itself. And you've got three different personalities that are in one essence, known respectively as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Co-equal. In other words, just because the Holy Spirit's mentioned third doesn't mean he's third in rank. They're co-equal, co-eternal, and co, get this now, co-substantial. Same substance. All three of them are the same substance as God. They are God. That is a definition of the Trinity. And I don't know why people, they call them their churches, Trinitarian churches. Their people don't, don't even know what, they couldn't tell you what the Trinity was. They're not, they're not making, uh, anyway, that's enough of that. Uh, now here's the, it's at Paloma's fullness. And, and uh, there's no, no way around that. So, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, it says. And uh, that you have to remember that God was in Christ. That means he's the God-man. And, uh, but the, the, the physical part of him began with Mary. And uh, all the rest of it is deity. <clears throat> so uh, I want, just want to say again, it's not right for Rome to say uh, that Mary is Theotokos. Uh, 
mother of God. That's not right to say that. God cannot have a mother and God can't be born. Uh, the Logos, in the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God. Well, Mary, what didn't exist yet? Uh, and it's, it's not good to say that. Uh, but you can call him the God-man because that's just what he is. And we believe in his deity fully. Well, I think we can open for discussion now. I hope we got some people that are going to ask some questions. I love to try to answer people's questions. Okay, very good. And uh, if you want to call in, the number is 734-822-1600. Uh, my co-host can unmute their mics now and be part of the conversation. And uh, so we celebrate this week the, the first advent of Christ. And I think you make a very strong point here that even though he was, we see the birth of Christ uh, in, in Luke two, and we see the genealogies in Matthew and 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 of Christ, it all goes back to that promised seed. Without without that promise of that first advent, Luke two means nothing. Yeah. Matter of fact, what I find really amazing in in your message and we didn't really hit on that, or you didn't really hit on it. Um, there's a timeline in the book of Daniel, broken down in weeks, where you see the actual, within the timeline of Daniel, you actually can time out to one Messiah should be expected. And at the time Mary conceived, all the young ladies, all the young maidens were hoping to be the 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 bringer of Messiah. They were all expecting to win that, that super lottery of being the mother of Messiah. Because according to the timeline, he was due exactly when he came. And we see that promise in Daniel that Messiah would come right at that time, which is one of the many prophecies that we see in the Old Testament of the, of the coming of Messiah. So Mary won that lottery. Go ahead, Ed. Well, that's actually what we call the, the 70 weeks of Daniel, or actually the 70, 70, 77 time periods, which I think works out to 490. And right. yeah, and then there was a the shorter prophecy, the more local prophecy that was to validate the larger one because people weren't going to live to see the longer one. There was the shorter one that said, people are waving at me. Am I okay? No, you're okay. fine. I wasn't waving at so, you, I'm waving at Rick. Oh, there was the shorter one that I think said in 70 years, you would see the temple restored. And so they did live to see that one. And so that gave them the faith that the larger prophecy, the 490 would take place. And yeah. I think, doesn't that work into like, we fall seven years shy of that with the advent of Jesus. And so that leaves room for the tribulation. Yeah, Is that right? The coming of Messiah was the 69th week, and then we are waiting now for the, that break that, that was called for in the 70th week, and that'll be the time of tribulation period. Okay. So that's why everybody was asking, are you the one we expect? Because they were expecting him. Uh, right. They were actually really, really looking and expecting him at that time, and that's, what, that's why I went into this week. Every young maiden was hoping, because Mike promises that this young maiden's going to give birth, and, or is going to be born in Bethlehem, and they knew the exact time, so it was like, who's going to win the lottery? 
right? What young maiden is going to bring forth Messiah? Little did they know that if they read their scripture, that Messiah came with a purpose. And that purpose was to lay his life down for our sins. Oh. And, uh, and- we know that we know that seventieth week was going to fall exactly in December on December twenty fifth, right? <laughs> no, we're not going to get into that conversation. It's the sixty ninth week. Go ahead, Gaylene. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's. I think that this is always a fascinating study um, because not only did the maidens all hope for the Messiah, but all the Pharisees, all the Sadducees, all of the Sanhedrin knew exactly when. Messiah was supposed to be born. I mean, maybe not the day, uh, but they knew when he was coming and they knew, they knew who Jesus was when they nailed him to that cross, but they didn't want to lose power. So it's very interesting. But talk a little bit because you brought up uh, the suffering Messiah, not the triumphant Messiah and kind of talk about the difference between them. All right. Before we do that, let me, um, well, Okay, I can do that because you made me totally forget what I was going to say. So we, let's talk about that. Isaiah breaks up. Isaiah breaks up. Uh, you, you see a, uh, a conquering Messiah and you see a suffering Messiah in Isaiah. Uh, the conquering Messiah, the one that's going to come in and conquer all, that will be in the 70th week. That'll be at the end of the 70th week. He's going to come in and conquer all and he is going to be King Messiah. At the time when Jesus came, they all wanted this conquering Messiah to relieve them from the tyranny of Rome. And they thought that conquering Messiah would come and put down Rome. And uh, they didn't realize he had to first come and suffer before he could come and conquer. So in Isaiah 53, you see the, the suffering Messiah. And even in the older Jewish Targums, the suffering Messiah, they, they say this appears to be Messiah. Well, after Jesus came and suffered, they said, well, no, it has to be about Israel because, well, this fits Jesus too much. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, they literally had to change. They didn't change their targums. They just changed their view of what Isaiah 53 had to say, even though their old writings said, no, this this appears to be Messiah that is that they're talking about. Uh, they, they literally changed their view because it, it fits Jesus so well. The, the picture well, of the suffering Messiah. it's an inconvenient Messiah. truth. Yeah. And they didn't well, like the inconvenient truth. There were two rabbis in the 1300s that changed uh, the view there because Christians were beginning to press them using Isaiah 53. So these two rabbis, Kimshi and uh, can't remember the other one, changed it and said, the suffering servant is Israel. Israel's suffering, but uh, Israel never suffered for our sins. They might have suffered know. because of them. They might have suffered because of them, not, not but not for them. And to, to make it collective, they went against their own ancient uh, Targums because the Targums say this is our Messiah that's suffering. But they never wanted to emphasize that anyway. They never wanted to emphasize, they wanted to emphasize him coming in glory and setting up the kingdom and, and uh, making them the first people of the earth again. Uh, that was what they wanted to emphasize. Two points I want to make about the passages in Isaiah we're talking about. The first one is we see in the book of Acts 
this Ethiopian eunuch who is reading from Isaiah. And all of a sudden, the evangelist approaches him and, and, and this eunuch says, hey, who is this I'm reading about? And he said, this is Jesus you're reading yeah. about, you know? And, and so the eunuch says, really? Then what do I have to do to be baptized? There's some water, right? And he says, you have to have faith. You have to believe <laughs> to be baptized. The point is, is he was trying this Ethiopian eunuch who was Jewish in belief at that time was reading from Isaiah and not understanding he was actually reading of Jesus. And um, the next thing I want to make on this is a few years ago in a school in Southeast Michigan, a principal got in trouble because just before the, and I'm doing the air quotes to the listener here, the winter break, uh, the area where the school is, is in a heavily Jewish population. And he read the passage that Pastor Max, you just read from Isaiah 9, unto us a child is born, unto us a child is given. And he reads from Isaiah and one of the kids went home and complained to his dad. They end up having a big school board meeting and everything else because this principal dare read from the New Testament and, and was pushing Christmas. And he says, I didn't read from the New Testament. He says, I read, I read from, from, from the Tanakh. No, you didn't. He says, what I read, and he read it to him. He says, see, you're reading from the New Testament. He says, no, I'm re- reading from the prophet Isaiah. Well, I won a, a, a Jewish family to the Lord by just using the Old Testament. You don't even have to go to the, the be, some of the best uh, passages you'll ever find for Christ being the Messiah is in the Old Testament. Well, that principle I'm talking about, after after he he showed he showed the 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 parent that was so upset. There, there's a catch to this too, and I'm going to get to it. After he showed the parent that this was truly from Isaiah, this young man's father, the rabbi said, oh, <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> and they dropped all the complaints against the principal. But uh, yeah, they just heard that passage and just assumed that they were talking about Jesus and the New Testament. Go ahead, Ed. Well, you know, we were talking earlier about the 70 weeks of Daniel, or the 69 in this case, and yep. the expectation. And it's very interesting that the what we call the three wise men, they're from the Middle East, they're from probably from Persia, and they know about the prophecy of Daniel. And so they're looking for the sky, and then then they see this sign in the sky, and they come and they come to Jerusalem and they ask, Where is he? And the effect is almost like, Where's who? You know, I mean, the right. Jews are not expecting them at all. And yet these Persians were. Well, Gentiles. at least Herod wasn't. Yeah. yeah. But his 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 priests, the, right. the Sanhedrin, the guys he went to to say, what do you know about this? They acted like, oh, yeah, the guy Bethlehem, maybe, you know, but but it wasn't like anybody was in any expectation. Not not right. at that class. Well, they were detached. So, yeah, you were talking about like this following the star and. Right now, uh, coming up, I think, on the 22nd, there's going to be um, Saturn and Jupiter will be like the brightest light in the sky because they'll be right next to each other. And there are some people who are saying, look, the Star of Bethlehem is going to be seen for the first time in 200 years. But we really do believe that uh, Christ wasn't born at this time of year. Um, However, 
it is kind of a nice little thing. So if anybody wants to go out there and look on the 22nd, you can find information about it and look at this really bright star that you haven't been able to see for 200 years. And it's actually Jupiter and Saturn together. Well, I, I think the star that the the wise men, the magi, the, whatever you want to call them, I believe what they followed was an uh, was a supernatural event and it Absolutely. was but that that's my opinion and it also if you actually read it it laid over the house so the manger scene that we see of the wise men coming up to the manger actually doesn't fit the the narrative of luke 2 either um the wise men actually came they said within two years after the birth of christ he was already born and they they yeah. went to his house well, I, have to say, I have to say something here in Zoroastrianism, which is what these three wise men were, they have that prophecy in their writings. That when you see this star uh, uh, over the uh, whatever, uh, it will be the the king, the 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 the, the, uh, the great leader. And they saw that, and it's it's in their own scriptures. And I think God gave it to them. Because after all, God's sovereign. Absolutely. My God is big enough to create a supernatural event. If my God is big enough to, to create, to speak the all things into being, the sky and separate it from day and night. And if my God is great enough to breathe his breath into creation and, and into mankind, then he can certainly do that. It's not beyond him. Yeah, Ed. I think one of the coolest uh, movies out is the uh, the movie with Charlton Heston, Ben-Hur, and it opens with the nativity. It opens with the wise men, you know, finding the babe in, in the manger. And throughout the movie, this is not a spoiler alert, throughout the movie, one of those wise men is continuing to look for Jesus. He figures, hey, something big has to come of this. And he talks to Charlton Heston, Ben-Hur at one point, and then he's at the cross. And he's found his savior. I I think that's so impressive. It it's extra biblical, but it's cool. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll say it again: is we we see when the wise men show up that Mary and Joseph are already in a house, so it wasn't right. a part of the nature scene. So just, just throwing that out there to totally spoil everybody's nativity set. Take the wise men off because they don't belong there. They are, they, that, that's, that, that is not part of the Bible. You're being non-biblical. Get rid of the wise men. They weren't that hey. wise at that moment. They came back a few years well, later. Well, who knows? It might have taken them two years to travel. You know? <laughs> it could have taken them two years to get there. You know, they didn't have Uber. <laughs> I want to get, <laughs> you want to say some more, something more, Max? Uh, no, that's all right. Okay. Um, so, Phil. I got to yeah. bring you into this conversation. You're being oh, relatively you're quiet. I'm listening and, and learning. And this is what the whole thing is about, right? Yeah. So uh, through 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 all this, I have to ask you, brother Phil, because we only have a few minutes left. Yeah. Uh, are, are you are you ready for Christmas? Are you ready to spend it with your grandson, your great grandson? Oh yeah, oh yeah, and um, and. While we're at it, I, I didn't uh, wish everybody great greetings on this on this upcoming holiday because I don't know whether or not uh, we'll be uh, on the air uh, for it. So just wish everybody out there 
listening. Uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and Derek, we're yeah. on the air next week, right? I, yeah, we'll we'll be live if you want to be. Okay. Yeah. All I'm right. Record, I'm recorded, but I got a shout out to you next week. Ah. All so. right. <laughs> well, Merry Christmas, right. everybody. It's been so, a blessing to spend this Saturday, this little hour with everyone. And it was nice to see my all, all of my friends here on our Skype chat. But uh, to all the listeners, too, God bless you. And yes. may your family find peace and joy, even in the midst of this triumph. Our God is able. Pastor Max, I want to thank you very much for coming on. Um, My pleasure. And giving the perspective of Christmas starting with the promised seed. And uh, I think we've got to really look at that because there is always a lot of argument that goes on about which faith is older. Our faith goes back to the very opening of and God created. Amen. And on that note, folks, that's the music playing. I love you all. Merry Christmas. And we will see you next week. been listening to a moment of clarity on wham talk 1600 with your host pastor richard dietering be sure to tune in again next week right here on wham radio 